Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 27 of Lepi Duels. I'm your host, Jacob Arvidsson, and we are once again presented by Jarvie Media. Thanks to all you guys at home for tuning in this week. We've got an action-packed episode ahead of you. You're not going to want to miss the hot topics we're debating and the wonderful cast that is debating them. If you haven't smashed that subscribe button down below, please go ahead and do that real quick. Your support really helps us out. Thank you very much for doing that. Without further ado, let's meet this week's highly touted cast. First up, defending his title from episode 26, it's the Discraft Underground Team Captain Wes Shinovar. Taking Wes on in round one, hailing from Kalamazoo, Michigan, he's the owner of Crew 42, Zach O'Haran. Our third guest this week is DGA's Trevor Harbold. And our final guest this week is the brand manager at Great Lakes Disc, you know him well, Brian Papa Wolf Frawley. Thanks for joining us all for you. We've got an action-packed episode you guys are about to take part in. Wes and Zach, you guys are in the duel first. Wes, you are leading us off. Let's rewind to the Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship. Some controversy on hole 18 in regards to Holland Hanley's tee shot. The ruling goes in favor of Hanley. She's able to escape the hole with a bogey and push to a playoff and ultimately beat Kristen Tatar in the playoff. So the question for you guys is, was this win stolen from Kristen Tatar? Wes? I think to say that Kristen had this stolen from her is a far cry from reality. <laughs> this is a four-round tournament. I think any professional will tell you that over four rounds, I guarantee you there are plenty of holes, plenty of shots where they could have executed better, uh, they could have made a better decision, and they could have found one stroke anywhere in those four rounds. So to say that this was was stolen from her uh, by having the opportunity to go to a playoff, I and mean, when you consider everything, that we're talking about one stroke. She finds one stroke anywhere in those four rounds, and this doesn't go to a playoff. So to say this was stolen from her on the very last hole, on one hole of the tournament, uh, it's just an absolute, just, just, just not true. Just not true at all. Uh, she had an opportunity to go to the playoff. Uh, she had a putt to win it on hole one. Uh, we go to the island on hole two, and she was not able to execute there. It almost seemed like she was just maybe a little bit tired, a little burned out. It is a long tournament, but to say this was stolen from her on one hole, absolutely not. All right, Zach, what's your feeling here? Yeah, I don't think uh, we can say that it's stolen from her either, but I'm going to go farther than what Wes said here. Uh, I do agree that you can get a stroke anywhere in the course. Like, Kristen laid up on hole 17 with a birdie opportunity there. Like, I was shocked. She was kind of admitting that she had to get two on 18, and it happened to work out for her that way. The reality of the matter is this. If we're talking about it getting stolen, it, we're trying to indicate here that something was happening that was shady. And in this particular regard, I don't see where it happened. Colin threw a shot. We have the benefit of going back and replay and looking at it in super slow motion and where the disc lands and everyone acts like we're supposed to have seen it in real time, 300 feet away, that Missy and everyone else on that card was supposed to obviously see those things. And that's just an unrealistic expectation. The spotter was in an okay spot. If you wanted him in any better, he'd been in the center in the front of the fairway. So asking him to be in the wrong spot to get the right view also would have been difficult to do. I don't think anything happened at any point that would have indicated that something shady happened here. You had two seasoned veterans. I don't think that they were collaborating to give her strokes. I think saying it's stolen is just incorrect. We would have been talking about the putt on 16 
if he had gone double OB and tied a different way anyway. So I, I just don't see this. There's no way this is going. Okay, so you guys are both saying the same thing. So let's tweak this a little bit. We're obviously talking mainly about Holland Hanley's whole 18 ruling. Was it out of bounds? Was it not? So I don't really care what you guys think. Was it out of bounds or not? But how do we rectify that situation and what was missing that should have gone differently in your opinion, Wes? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we had debated this question back in episode 13. We had talked about having rules officials on the top cards, especially at these large tournaments. For all intents and purposes, this is basically a, a major, except without the the name major behind it. And so we had talked about why do we not have those rules officials or people that are, are there to make official calls on these top cards. And that absolutely would have been a terrific solution here. I mean, there's, there's no reason in today's day and age with the technology that we have that we can't go to the booth. We can't do an instant replay while they're, they're walking, while the other people are throwing. Uh, there should absolutely be a rules official on these cards, especially the top two cards at these majors or uh, major equivalents. Uh, and I really think that we should have the ability to use the technology where we are able to go back, look at the shot, and actually make the official ruling and, and take that close look. There's just no reason at this in this day and age that we shouldn't be able to do that. Zach? Strong disagree in all of that. Specific, I work at a, with a film company where I do recording, and you're telling me, like, if I'm in a situation and the card happens to be filmed, I should be able to go back and check for a fault fault if it happens to be on a lead card? Like, we can't other cards what if this happened on third card where there wasn't being filmed directly by a company and that happened and by word of mouth this was a big debacle like we can't go back and do footage there so unless we can put an official on every hole or on every card right now we can't do that if you put an official on just hole 18 and watched everyone and the whole time that might be doable but like you're dedicating one person to one hole specifically just for that scenario and you might miss other calls later down the road the reality is, is that what happened specifically in this situation happened exactly as it should have. The card witnessed something. They made the best call with the information that they had, and they moved forward. We see other sports do this too. The P like PGA does this as well. Most of them call it on themselves. They have enough technology in that sport where they can go back to booth and review. We don't have that on every hole. We can't do that right now. So the way it happened is exactly how it's supposed to. We can't fix it until we get more tech or we get way more people. We don't have that right now. All right, good takes from you guys. Um, obviously, I tweaked the question on you. You both uh, responded to it very well. Wes, I love the idea of the instant replay. I think we are slowly getting there. I do like Zach's point, though, saying, hey, right now we're not there, and this card handled it how it should have been handled. I think that's the, the key point here. There was no shady business going on, like you both said, which is important, and it worked out the way it did for Holland Hanley. She's the throw pink women's champion. So moves us on to the next duel because Zach's getting this win. Duel number two, Trevor versus Brian. Trevor, you are up first. Wes kind of segued for you a little bit, um, but we're talking here in duel number two about the U.S. women's versus the throw pink women's. And is there more prestige maybe for the A tier in this situation than the U.S. women's major? Trevor? No. The only reason that we want to put prestige behind is because it's at the the winter of course that's the only reason um, we have majors set in in play to be majors and they're there every year until they do some tweaking with the pdj and change them like they do a lot anyway so i don't think that um i think it's just a prestigious thing just because of where it's played i think it's just an a tier i think if they did change it i think it'd be cool but there's a lot of things in play that we don't really understand 
uh, well, I'll say, I don't say we, but a lot of people don't understand is like who controls some of those tournaments and how that all plays out. Um, Innova controls the USDGC more than the PDGA and the Pro Tour. So it's it's like a different thing. The PDGA controls the, uh, the women's side of it. So um, I don't think it's more prestigious just because it's at Winthrop. I think that it's prestigious because it has a major title behind it for the U.S. women's. And I think that's what makes it a major. Okay, Brian, where are you going with this one? Yeah, I think I agree with Trevor, but I I didn't understand his whole argument. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's throw pink is kind of like the unofficial fifth major, I guess I would call it. You know, it's the ball golf equivalent of the players' championship for at least our FPO competitors. Um, you know, it's, it's well known, it's going to get high ratings. Um, but when you actually look at the ratings, if we look back, um, you know, 2022, uh, us women's dominated 2022 throw pink. And as of, you know, obviously very recent, so is 2023 and 2022 when it comes to views. Um, so I think, you know, it's pretty obvious, at least if you looked at that metric, uh, that it's definitely, U.S. women's in a major that's more prestigious. Um, Throw Pink's, you know, a great event, a well-run event. It's just uh, not a major. All right, so you guys are ultimately saying the same thing, that U.S. women's has more prestige than Throw Pink. Um, But differentiate yourselves if you can. Trevor, why do you deserve to win duel number two? Well, let's, let's be real. I mean, it should be a major. Like, I mean, why isn't it? But... Um, I think that a major is about how the tournament is presented, the courses, the um, how many people you have there. And I think the U.S. women's is more about all women incorporated, like amateur women, junior women, the, the age-protected women, not just the pro side of it. So I think that's another incentive of why it's a, a more prestigious event in, in my mind. Okay, good point, Trevor. Brian? Yeah, I, Trevor, great point. Proud of you, buddy. But uh, again, I'm going to go with stats and metrics on mine and say that, you know, we had over 100,000 views already on uh, the, the 2023 U.S. Women's uh, event. Same with uh, the 2022. It just draws more eyes. That's why it's more prestigious because, again, it's already a major. Okay, so both of you guys came hard in, uh, in the rebuttal in particular. Trevor, I thought that was a fantastic point, but I do think Brian won up to you with the stats there. I think the viewership is ultimately ultimately what matters here. Um, driving, driving eyes to your product is what, uh, what determines a lot of prestige most of the time. So Brian's going to win duel number two. It sends us to number three. Trevor, you're back up. Zach, you're taking him on. Zach, you're going to be leading us off here. Um, the U.S. DGC final round had a lead card and a chase card lacking any previous winners. Did this impact the event at all for you, Zach? No, not at all. I think this was classic USCGC. We know historically, looking back at this event, we've seen lots of players that don't historically uh, either win this event or in the top tier competing for this tournament. This year, we just had a few more. Looking back at the last couple years, like last year, Nicholas Antela was competing. Uh, year before that, Drew Gibson was in the hunt. Year before that, we had Garrett Gerthy. Um, Chris Dickerson won that year. The year before that, we have Nico and Jeremy Coley and Chris Clemens in the hunt with James Conrad winning. It's v- this this event 
does such an amazing job of having so many players that aren't necessarily you consider being a top 10 player be able to compete by staying clean. We see Joel Freeman compete very well at this very often year after year after year. So I don't think there's anything unique in that regard. And if we're looking at the past champions too, it's not super surprising. Gannon Burr, who's last year's winner, uh, had a really bad round three, uh, was unable to kind of get to the place he wanted to be. Paul McBeth didn't play. Chris Dickerson's had a rough year. James Conrad's had a rough year. Nate Sexton's kind of at the end of his career. Germs DNF'd. And Will Schustrick, the most recent champions, he's kind of passed his career as well. Not a big surprise that they weren't there, but it didn't impact me at all. Trevor, did, uh, did it impact you? Whatever I say is not going to win anyway. It was rigged ass. Come on. Uh, anyways, no, I think, I think I'm going to agree with Zach, right? But I have to disagree with Zach in a way as well. Um, it didn't impact me at all that there were no past champions because that just shows the growth of our game. It shows the changing of the guard. Um, Paul McBeth wasn't there. I mean, that's, that's a hard one to like come out of, right? Like, but one thing I will disagree with you with is that it has been done by multiple champions. Ken Klimo's won it multiple times. Shoestrick's won it multiple times. Macbeth's won it multiple times. I don't think that that course is is set up to where like all these different people win it all the time, like you're saying. I think that it is a clutch place to play disc golf and the best of the best shine. And sometimes you just have unlucky stuff happen like hole 17. Um, there's been a couple of times where there were people that were so close, like a Heimberg or even a Johnny McRae, that hole 17 kind of ate them up and you see somebody come up and win the tournament. So um, I think that uh, it didn't impact me that nobody was there because it was really cool to see all these newer kids coming in and, uh, and playing some really good golf at a really hard course. Okay, so Trevor bounced around a little bit. Zach, you were all over the place as well, kind of pushing your time limit a little bit. So you guys both have redemption here in uh, in rebuttal. Zach, you're up first. Yeah, I just want to clarify, not that I was saying that anyone will win at any time, but that anyone can compete at this event, even players not in the top 10. We have seen past champions. That is true. Um, but we really what was surprising is like more than anything else was the the top 10 not being in the discussion. Usually we see more of them. Um, but for this event, back to that question, did it impact it? No. We got the storyline with Kyle Klein for his redemption in 2021. That's the story we were looking for. That's the story we got. He had his redemption at the end. We got our good feel moment. It was awesome to watch. It didn't impact me. I didn't miss any of the previous champions not being on that chase card or lead. Trevor? Again, it didn't impact me in any way because Kyle Klein's my uh, team Great Lakes team member, so I was rooting for him the whole time. But there are a lot of people out there that may not have been rooting for his story, that may have been rooting for somebody else's story. So I think that it, in a way it didn't impact the sport or me. It impacted the sport because of the growth of our game and all these young kids showing, like again, in Burr who won it last year. Kyle Klein is another young one that that won it this year. And who knows, you might have a Cole Rodolin from DGA win it next year. All these young kids are just coming out and showing out and it's so awesome to see the growth of the game for as long as I've been playing it's insane so all right so you're both saying no uh not having a former champion on the leader chase card in the final round did not impact the event at all for you guys fair point Zach I love that you brought in the storyline aspect that you know coming into the final day we had a legit storyline and it was Kyle Klein um and his redemption tour Trevor I do like that you brought in you know the diversity of what USDGC brings and ultimately the, the youth that's coming up and gets to see that. Um, I'm, I'm split on this one. This is a tough decision. 
Trevor's saying the show's rigged, but he's going to get dinged here again. Zach's going to win by a slim margin and sends us to duel number four. Duel number four, Brian and Wes. Udisc made a post about a week or so ago about round ratings that they're introducing via the app on Udisc. So I want to hear from your guys' perspective. Will the Udisc round ratings impact the sport of disc golf at all? Brian, you're leading us off. I think this is a pretty clear yes, because everything Udisc has done has impacted our sport. It's made it more accessible. It's made it easier to score. It's made it easier to run events, and it's made it easier to connect with people. So this next step um, is just another way of creating a little bit more of a challenge to the PDGA, in my opinion. Uh, you know, uh, you can already do almost everything you want uh, through Udisc, minus getting PDGA rating. Um, and now you can set up all of your events uh, through Udisc and have a Udisc rating. Uh, you might not even need to spend 50 bucks. You might only need to spend 20 bucks to get that. I think we're going to see a lot of disc golfers kind of make that decision. Um, t tournament directors that maybe aren't happy with the PDGA or, or the way PDGA is going. I think this is a, a much bigger story um, than maybe the disc golf world is talking about right now. Wes, where are you going with this one? Yeah, well, I was really curious what Brian's take was on this because I uh, respect his opinion. We talk a lot off this show as well. Uh, I, I think this is a cool addition to Udisc. It's certainly the, the app that all players use. I do see a lot of problems with this, though, so I don't think it's going to have quite as great an impact on our sport uh, broadly like Brian does. I, I think this is kind of a, a little bit of like garbage in, garbage out. I mean, you and your buddies are out playing uh your rounds in the middle of the day you know it's uh who's really is your score accurate uh are you are you keeping accurate scores are people putting the right scores for the right people i mean i, I think that there's just so much potential for error and kind of misinformation in these these round ratings that i don't think that's it's really going to give you a good true accurate rating uh for how your round went I think to do that, you still are going to have to go to a PDGA tournament, uh, still get a official rating in official competition with official rules, uh, official scorekeeping. And so I, I think that this is a really cool addition to UDISC, but I don't think it's going to have quite as uh, quite as big an impact as Brian does. Okay, so you guys are both excited about it, clearly. However, you have different opinions on how this is going to impact the sport. Brian, you've got first rebuttal. Yeah, Wes, I, you know, I, I do agree with you to an extent that to a point PDJ ratings are obviously still going to be needed. Um, but I think that this just allows more people access to disc golf to get that rating um, or to have some way to compare themselves to the average Joe in their, you know, doubles league or their singles league that they play um, the, the more recreational um, disc golfer. And I think that that's what's important to hook people with and to get them into the higher level competition where the PDGA rating might come into play. Okay, Wes, respond. Yeah, I mean, I think this is an entryway to kind of figure out where you are at or where you might be. Uh, I think that all of us have looked at UDISC, you know, leaderboards and saw somebody who shot neg 18 and we all just kind of kind of laugh or scoff at, at that score. So again, I, I think that this is a cool addition. It'll be fun. There will probably be somewhat uh, accurate in there, but I don't. I don't think that it's really going to change the game of disc golf or change the way that we uh, run tournaments or, or push more people to run tournaments through UDisc. I, I think the PDGA is still going to dominate that 
again, cool addition, fun for some social aspect. Udisc has been great with that, but I don't, I don't think it's going to have a major impact or push a lot more people to uh, work with Udisc on this. Okay, well said from both of you. Brian, I thought you hit the nail on the head by saying this is a story that's not getting enough attention. So thank you for saying that. I think this is exciting things that might uh, mean big things for the sport moving forward. However, Wes, I like your argument a little bit better here. I didn't expect it from you, but uh, I thought it was good. So Wes is going to take the win here in duel number four. Sends us to the next one. Trevor and Wes, you're going to be up here since Zach is at two wins. Him and Brian will close us out. So, uh, Trevor, you're up first. Pick one of the uh, non-stroke advantage players from uh, this upcoming Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship and tell us why they are going to make the final. My real answer is zero because none of them are going to make the final. That is, this, this, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But if I'm going to get to pick one player and I, the show's rigged and I'm going to lose anyway, I'm going to pick two. I'm going to pick one from the MPO side and one from the FPO. I think Holly Finley is going to make, if out of these players, Holly Finley is the one that I think would make it. Um, simply fact because she is a great woods player and she has been in North Carolina like the past four seasons, off season. So she spent a lot of time at Nevin and I think she would have a really good chance there. Um, and on the MPO side, I think it would be Nicholas Antela because he's a baller and he's in the woods in Finland all the time. And that kid can shred. Um, I just see it happening that way. But I really, in, in all my honesty, I don't see anybody with the no stroke advantage making the uh, final. Um, it's really cool that they get to make it, but it looks like they're going to be one and done. Okay, Wes, who, uh, who are you taking here? Yeah, I think to say that nobody's going to make it to the final is, a, is could be a stretch. I think that there's a couple of players, uh, and I'll do one MPO and FPO as well, that I think have the potential to. So when I'm looking at the potential to make the finals, I'm looking for winners, uh, people that have a consistent game and people that are winners. Uh, and for that reason, uh, for this season, I'm, I'm going to rule out Holly Finley in, in uh, who I would select. But on the FPO side, I would select Valerie Mondejano. And I know I get a little bit of flack for being a homer, uh, on this one, but she had a shortened season. She still made it into the finals. Uh, her average finish at Disc Golf Pro Tour events this year has been around eighth. So that kind of gets her into the semifinals, uh, which, you know, one more good round gets her into the finals there. She did have one big win and she's ranked 11th in the world out of that bottom category. Uh, so I think that she does have the potential to make it to the finals. On the pro side, I agree with Antela. Again, he's a winner. He can throw good rounds. Uh, to win, you have to throw consistently good rounds over the course of uh, this event to make it to the finals. He's 1040 rated. And again, he's the highest rated player with no stroke advantage uh, at 14th in the world, according to UDISC. So I think those two players certainly have the potential to make it to the final. Um, it's going to be tough though. <laughs> All right. So you both made a comment about no one going to make it, but uh, you didn't, uh, didn't totally go that route. You both picked somebody. Obviously you agree with uh, Antela on the, MPO side. So let's stick to the differentiation on the FPO side, Trevor. Okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. The show is rigged. I'm going to take this time to uh, give a shout out to Team Great Lakes, and you can use my discount code at greatlakesdisc.com for 26860s, my count. Brian, you are my hero. Uh, Holly Finley would because she's a better player in the woods. All right, Wes. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think consistently great play. You want people that have. Uh, shown the ability to win, to throw three, four uh, high-rated rounds in a row because they are making cuts. These people have to play well, they have to play consistent, and they have to play at a high level consistently. And for me, that's going to be Valerie Mondohano uh, over Holly Finley in this situation. Okay, so Trevor, he keeps saying the show's rigged. I don't know why. Um, I thought you had great insight into Holly Finley, 
being down in that area, obviously an expert woods golfer herself. I'm going to swallow my pride and still give you the point here, despite uh, the uh, written comment on the paper. So Trevor's going to get a win. Sends us to the final duel of the episode, maybe, unless Brian can get a win here. Uh, Zach, you're going to be leading us off. You guys are tackling the question of next week when we're on this show, are we going to be talking about the stroke advantage format change for this weekend's uh, Pro Tour Championship in a positive or a negative light? Take it away. It's always possible. Brian, my record against Brian is not so great. But to the question here, are we going to say this is positive or negative? I think regardless of how this weekend goes, it's a positive, no matter what. They understood, the Disc Golf Pro Tour understood that this event didn't live up to its hype and viewership and what they expected out of it. And they know that they need to make change to make this event match the expectation they want it to be at the end of the season. They've made that change. Is this the final form that it's going to look like for the rest of the future? Maybe not. But it is a, is a change in the direction they're willing to change. I think that's a positive no matter what. That's the takeaway. Looking at the structure itself, just reflecting on it myself, thinking what's the best and what's the worst parts of these, the semifinals is the biggest question because they're stroke differential. How does that impact? We've seen in the past that players in the 17th to 32 ranking have made finals, if not won, in the past. And to Trevor's point, this might not happen anymore with the stroke differential. So the semifinal might be less entertaining due to that point. But to the finals, because it's two rounds, it's more like a sprint. I think it'll be very entertaining, and I'm very excited to watch that. Okay, Brian, what's your take on this one? So Zach said it was going to be positive, but then he said it wasn't going to be the end format. So that feels like grasping at straws there, just, just my opinion. Anyways, it's, this is going to be negative. There's going to be fallout. People are going to be angry. People are going to say they get cheated. It's not real golf. It's not the real thing. Uh, and, and whether it does show up to be fun and exciting for the viewer, I think people aren't going to like it because of those stroke advantages and things like that. I think we've heard that from enough fans that just question that setup. I'm going to say, let's go to something tried and true. Because on this show, if you're going to say something negative, you got to bring a solution. And the solution is Trevor's favorite sport to watch, Kentucky basketball. We're going to go top 64, elimination style, nine-hole match play. Let's film the whole thing Tuesday through Sunday. I love it. Let's do something fun and exciting like that. Brian, thanks for throwing a suggestion out after going negative. I appreciate that. Zach, you went positive, though, um, for our reaction next week. Defend your point. Um, I, I'm not sure why I'm getting misunderstood so often this evening. I, I'm not saying that it's like just because it might not be the final form doesn't mean that this still isn't positive. It still might be the final form. I don't know why that's getting confused. But moving on, um, I, I think that this is positive because of the change. And if they wanted to change it to Brian's form in the future, because this doesn't live up to their expectations, that's fine. And that means that change would be positive too. But if they hit a home run here, if people do like the change, if we see the bottom players do perform well and everything works out, then they did it. And the, them being willing to change it is awesome. I don't think the 64 thing would ever be entertaining because you wouldn't be able to watch enough players. It would be harder to film. There'd be way too much happening at the same time. It, that would be a lot of chaos and it would be, very difficult to watch. Okay, Brian, bring it home. Yeah, I just heard a lot of ifs in Zach, and I don't like ifs in business. It, I just think it's bad business. 
Um, you had people complain about it. I think we shouldn't have an easy solution with 64 and 32. It sets up nice. It's traditional. It gets the people that uh, have the extra money to pay for DGN. The older crowd recognizes it. Yes, I'm calling myself that. Uh, I think it's important to look at something like that. Okay. So here's my take on this question. I like that you obviously went different directions with it. I appreciate that. Brian, thanks again for throwing out a suggestion for the future. However, um, if we're sticking to this question, we're just looking at next week when we're on the show, what's our reaction? Is it going to be positive? Is it going to be negative? Not worried about the future years, just how are we reacting to it? Brian, I thought you were very close um, to getting the win by saying that the initial reaction before this event has even, even happened online has been negative um, in regards to the stroke advantages from fans online. But Zach, I thought you rounded out your point well enough to win the episode here. So congrats. Zach gets the win. You've got a minute to share with us whatever you want. What's it going to be? Hey, I got two things I want to share. First of all, I'm going to do a two-for-one. Well, two-for-one here. First of all, make sure you check out Crew42. We got some great coverage coming up at the end of the you know, DGPT championship. We've got coverage from River City, FPO, MPO, as well as Three Rivers Open. So we got more disc golf coverage coming from local areas that you're not going to want to miss. Some local players, Shredders, Andrew Marweed. And do I tie into that? State championships are coming up at the end of this month. If you don't already plan on coming by watching those players play, you should definitely do that. Brian's the TD. He always runs a very clean, very efficient event. I love being there. I love filming it. You should definitely come check that out. And of course, subscribe because this has been an awesome time. Uh, thank you for not rigging it. I totally disagree with Trevor. Thank you. Thanks for backing me up, Zach. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, good shout outs there. Go watch some Crew 42 coverage. Uh, Zach does good work there, so we appreciate him. Um, all you guys at home, thanks for watching, being with us this week. Enjoy the Pro Tour Championship this weekend. Thanks again to uh, these four fine gentlemen for joining us this week, and we look forward to seeing everybody next week. Enjoy the weekend.